Welcome to another episode of the Dose of Leadership podcast, the show that brings you inspiring and educational interviews with today's most relevant and motivating leaders. Each episode is dedicated to highlight real-life leadership and influence experts who dedicate their lives to the pursuit of the truth, common sense, and courageous leadership. And now, here's your host, Richard Ryerson. Hey, welcome to the show. So happy you're tuning in to another episode of Dose of Leadership. Man, I got a great guest for you today. I love having these long-form conversations, and uh, Ed Lattimore is on the show. Ed Lattimore is a former professional heavyweight boxer. He's now a best-selling author. He's a competitive chess player as well. does a lot of writing, focusing on self-improvement and practical approach to a stoic philosophy, and that's really what attracted me to bringing Ed on the show because he has this stoic view of life. As he talks about in his bio, he says he's lived four lives already, and he's 35, you know, growing up in the public housing projects of Pittsburgh and not really having a great relationships with his parents and growing up in that poor and public housing projects was certainly stressful and dangerous and all those lessons and suffering physical abuse, observing a lot of violence, even seeing someone get killed. And he survived through that. But some of the lessons he talks about, you know, never underestimating the power of being likable and controlling your emotion. That's a great leadership tenet that we need to apply in everyday life. You know, when you hear about his struggle and his journey with alcoholism and, and dealing with anger, you know, he graduates high school, he joins the army, he becomes a boxer, still, you know, and along the way, he's start, starting to get self-improvement, you know, and finding great mentors and doing the work. And that is a great takeaway I got from this conversation with Ed is that, you know, the, the action that you take really develops the mindset. And that is so true. That, that was the big takeaway for me for this conversation, that action leads to mindset. So often, too many of us, we say, well, if I get my mindset right, then I can take the step. And Ed's like, no, take the step. Even though you don't feel like it physically, mentally, start doing. A lot of it, too, and we talk about this, is you know finding where you fit and where you can best add value. Getting honest with the, the situation. And as, as he talks about one of his major lessons in his life is that no one really cares what's happened to you or what you've been through. No one is coming to save you. And that is such a stark truth that we need to embrace and that really begins the foundation that for you to start doing the work. And when you find out where you fit, when you find out, hey, no one cares what's happened to you, what you've gone through. And I think that's where we see a lot of this misguided um, anger, in which is fueled by resentment and jealousy and feeling that life isn't fair. But that's what I love about Ed's kind of stoic philosophy. It isn't fair. <laughs> I mean, there's, bad things are going to happen in life. And no one cares. And so accept that truth, you know, holding your head up high with your shoulders back, grab that shield and, and accept that stark truth and reality with uh, acceptance. And that's what real people do. That's what leaders do and start doing the work. And the value is in the work. Ed talks about that in this conversation. The value is in the work. And when you approach life that way, then you start valuing yourself and you start seeing yourself as somebody that you can respect. Then things start to change. And that, to me, was the great lesson in this conversation. And, and, and I'm curious what you're going to think about this conversation. So reach out to me at doseofleadership.com. Give me your feedback. You can email me directly, richard at doseofleadership.com, or there's a contact form that you can fill out, which will, send, will go directly to my email either way, and I'll answer your email. But I'm curious what you think about this conversation with Ed. And you can certainly reach out to Ed and, and learn more about He's got a great website with a lot of great writings on there at just edlattimore.com and there's links in the in the post notes here on on the at dose of leadership com on this 
specific episode, but reach out to him and, and connect with him. He's just he's one of the good ones, folks. And I really enjoy this conversation. It is a long one. Stick with it. And uh, again, let me know what you think. Call to action. If you're finding value in this show, um, take the time to subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast application. Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, and of course Apple Podcasts where I have most of my listeners. And take the time to subscribe, rate, and review. And writing that review, subscribing, it does support the algorithm that keeps us front and center and allows me to gain more listeners. And it's because of your support and because of your help that we continue to be in the top 10 business management podcasts on Apple Podcasts. And I couldn't do it without you. So thank you for your support. And again, reach out to me too. If you need someone to speak, teach, coach about leadership, I can certainly do it online. My Legacy Leader Blueprint course is a great way to get connected with me and allow me to, and your team, to introduce your team leadership concepts that are going to help you become, you and your organization, become an organization that spreads a leadership responsibility throughout the entire organization of getting everybody to think and act like a leader. That is what I specialize in, and that's what I'm passionate about. Again, thanks for tuning in, and let's get on with this conversation with Ed Lattimore here on Dose of Leadership. Well, Ed, man, it's an honor to have you on the show. Welcome to Dose of Leadership. Hey, thank you for having me, man. I really appreciate you, you know, taking the time to talk to me. I'm always grateful when people listen to anything <laughs> I have to say. Yeah, well, you, you're, um, when you know, I get a lot of requests for people to come on the show. Yours stood out to me. Uh, again, I, I love, you know, everybody loves a great story of like how you got to this point. I mean, you're a relatively young, young man, uh, but you've experienced a lot of life in in your 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 youthful years. I think. I mean, you've probably lived more lifetimes than. Than most of us. I mean, I think even when I was reading your bio on your website, you you're like on your fourth incarnation of your life or something like that. <laughs> yeah, it's just it was a lot easier. You know what's funny? Um, somewhat off topic, but about that bio, I have found that when you get good people around you in terms of like their skill and ability, it tends to it lets you focus on what you're good at, and and. This website, as it sounds, you know, the bio is very new production. Yeah. Uh, like like 365 days ago, the website looked completely different. And we put a lot of time into redesigning it and making it more mm -hmm. SEO friendly, more for conversions, et cetera, et cetera. One of the things we did not have was a bio. And and I'm I'm lazy, man. Like, <laughs> Me too. I mean, rather, I don't like to put the startup energy into things sometimes, and I'm working on doing that. Yeah. And the guy who works on my website, very smart guy, has got a lot of insight, both both technically and socially. He's like, you know, put together a bio. Didn't give me any guidance. I said, all right, how long is it going to be? He goes, as long as you want it. So I got to writing, and I said, well, what am I good at? I, I'm, I think I'm good at communication. I think that's like in teaching and, and, and spinning these stories and these words. So I said, what's the best way to describe my life? Because I, because I'm aware of like, you got to sound different. You can't sound mm -hmm. like everyone else. Right. And I said, okay, I always tell people. And I, I do that I've, that I've lived. Um, I've had a different experiences that, that are so different that you don't yeah. typically find them in the same person. And from each of those, you know, with, with the blessing, that's what it is, a blessing. I don't have control over it. It's luck. Mm -hmm. How my brain works out and how I like to take lessons and learn from things and really sit and dive deep and get some reflections on my life. That's where that bio came from, the, the four lives and really the four major lessons that I've learned moving through them. And 
and it really continues to give me a great advantage today, I think, makes me more relatable, gives me uh, just different different ways to enjoy and relate to the world. Yeah, no, there's a level of authenticity there. And again, I think that's what st- stood out to me when I was, again, I get, I probably get 30 to 50 pitches a day for people to come on and you're stood out. And because it just seemed like there was, I don't know what it is. I, I can't even articulate it, but there seems to be a level of um, authenticity around you. you. You seem to be, I don't know if you're intentional about it or not, but it seems you seem very authentic. And I think, and I think, uh, you know, go ahead. Yeah. So, so someone actually asked me that last night and what I realized is that uh, in terms of the intentionality uh, versus not being intentional, like your manufacturer versus spontaneous or whatever, uh, what, what I think is occurring is that, right. I, I see that I don't have many natural talents. One of them is teaching. I think I have a combination of the patience versus the ability to kind of reverse engineer and not be struck by the curse of knowledge, et cetera. All those things come together and make you a great teacher and communication. And I understand that for me to be successful with what I want to do, with how I want to be, uh, I, I can't ever let myself get in a position where who I am comes into question. Yeah. So that automatically uh, blocks off or moves, strongly disincentivizes a false presentation. So all that leaves is for me to be myself. And, and fortunately, I've lived in such a way that myself is not a bad guy. He's not a dull guy. Uh, I understand that by being honest with my audience about everything I've gone through, I can affect a bigger change. It, it does no good if I, if I tell a guy, you know, don't drink alcohol for example, it's bad for you or something like that. But it's a lot, it works a lot more if I can, you know, discuss my troubles to the point where, you know, self-publish a book about it, many articles on my website about it. And if there's a commercial angle, yeah, I'm not a fool. I need to be able to eat so I can continue (laughs) to do this. But I'm, I'm, I'm lucky in that I don't have to put such emphasis on the commercial because the life itself is the work. It's, it's the yeah, art. No, I get in that. many ways I tell people I'm an, art, an artist, not a businessman. I like that. I like how you, you have that kind of clarity and alignment around you're an artist, not a businessman. That resonates with me deeply because I think that's one thing as I looked at my entrepreneurial journey, my side hustle journey, that's where I, 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 I think back, particularly the last 10 years where I've had some conflicts or some – I tried to be something that I wasn't because I, I was ignoring the artist in me and I was trying to be the businessman. Does that make sense? That makes perfect sense. Look, I, I will fully admit because, – because I coach a lot of people on social media because that, that just happens to be the thing I am you know, kind of not bad at on this planet. Mm-hmm. You know, They used to tell us in high school – Half of the jobs that you guys are going to do uh, in the future don't exist today. Right. And, you know that that sounds cool to hear, but I think about it. Well, there was no so social media wasn't even a phrase when I was in high school. Mm-hmm. And I'm not that old. I'm about 35, man. Like mm-hmm. that, that's crazy. But I coach a lot of people on this, and and they're they're guys that make a lot more money than me with a lot smaller following. Right. I fully understand or realize that. If, if it was about the money, 
I'm a failure in every sense of the word. <laughs> yeah. And I live a pretty good life. Like with my, with my reach, I'd be a failure if it was about the money, but it's not about the money that I, I get to be myself and make a living. And, and if I have to compromise on that in any way, shape or form, then, then I become a failure. Yeah. And because so, the freedom goes up because that, what you just said right there, that equates to freedom. Right. And, yes. and, and, and if you, compromise on that what's the point i go get a job exactly like to me <laughs> to me if, if i if i have to make if i can increase my income by by five six hundred thousand dollars and all i have to do is is make a product specifically to sell to people that does not ring true to anything I do, but it will sell because because once you look, you know you study copyright and you understand what the triggers are. Yeah, right. You, you, all you got to do is make something about getting laid or getting paid, and people will fork over cash by the boatload. Especially if you have any type of um, legitimacy to your brand or who you are, and I, th- I think I have tons of that. But it ain't about that. So that, yeah, that, it, that path has never stood out to me. It's never appealed to me. Well, and yeah, and that's where I where I, I talked about where I had those kind of um, conflict points, you know, because I'd sit there and like, oh, I'd do the comparison trap. I'd be in those entrepreneurial circles and see, and I'd watching people get really successful. And it's because they, they went into that niche of like, you know, the getting laid, getting paid niche. I'm like, well, that wasn't who you were before. And like, well, well everybody, you know, it's kind of, it's weird how social media or at least a, a, a online entrepreneurship is kind of like this, this incestuous circle. Like the ones that are really, <laughs> are really, you know, you know what my tech guy calls it, he calls it the ghetto of social media. It's <laughs> right. like, you, you just, you, you, you get stuck and you see everybody, everyone is projecting this idea. And if you fall for it, you'll start questioning like, like because because I have no at the, at the end of the day I have no idea what anyone else is doing. Like, right. I can only speculate. Right. I have no idea. But if I let my if, if I let myself get caught up in the presentation, then I start thinking, man, I'm I'm not out here killing him. Meanwhile, you know, uh, I I'm I'm probably realistically ahead of a lot of people. But this is you know this hypothetical. I have no idea. But the point is, if you start comparing the outcomes. Uh, you missed the point. The point is, how are you achieving that outcome? What's your process? And the process is where the freedom and the personal fulfillment is found. And to sacrifice that, in my opinion, totally misses the point of anything even remotely resembling self-employment. You may as well go work for somebody else. You you can make a lot of money working for other people. What you give up is what you'd give up if you just decided to pursue it for the sake of money. Right. Yeah, I like what you said. And that, that resonates with me. And I, and because it, it, to me, what keeps me centered, at least the principle, it reminds me, because it's seductive, right? It's seductive to get down and, and you, know, you see some of your peers yeah. making, you know, and doing this. But if it's not true to yourself, it's not authentic, it's not principled to who you are, to me, it's about am I adding value, right? And adding value to what I'm, I'm what my strengths are. And, Absolutely. You know, if you add value, then it is almost impossible. For all intents and purposes, it is impossible to fail. It is impossible to starve. You can do quite a lot if you make the world around you a better place in the way that is that aligns with your strengths and interests. Mm -hmm. I've always been huge on that, which is why I tell guys, look, I, I could not, I mean, I can tell you what's worked for me, but don't 
consult me for anything that remotely resembles a business plan. I can't give it to you. And if it works, it'll be in spite of what I said, not because of it. But I can tell you how to be yourself yeah. and, and, and do that. Yeah. And I can tell you how to improve your life. And, and that, that's all I have on that regard. Well, that validates what, what I thought of. I mean, it's, it's, it's funny how even though, you know, when I get these pitches for people to come on my show, something always stands out. And that's, I mean, you're, you're validating. I don't know. It's just weird how that authenticity will emanate in everything to do, even through pitches from your PR agency, right? I mean, it's, I, I don't know if that makes sense, but it just. Well, they, you know, all you can do is what you can do with what you have. Like they can't, mm-hmm. they can't break the, uh, what's the word I want to hear? Or the phrase they they can't break the 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 social media law of thermodynamics like they can't <laughs> right. create yeah. something from nothing. nothing yeah all they can do is take everything that I that I've done all who I am whatever and present that the best way they can I talked to some guys that do um I guess manufactured press where they they put out mm-hmm. you know articles about people and then try to get them a view on um. Uh, to rank on Google, like assuming you look someone right. up, they show up. And and one of the guys, he, he's a friend of mine, he, and he was telling me, he's like, you gotta understand, a lot of these people haven't done a thing, and there's no, <laughs> like, there's nothing I can write. Yeah, it's so hard. Uh, but there is no problem uh with that when you're actually the real deal, when you've actually lived a life, when you mm-hmm. didn't become famous for being famous, you know, kind of you yeah. just got a bunch of followers on social media, and and so what I think you are describing is is a um is the positive externality of achievement right if you go and do some stuff uh you tend to and when you live deliberately intentionally try to mm-hmm. try to actually improve try to actually build a thing um then a lot of other things happen as a result that you may not have necessarily anticipated planned for or accounted for but they benefit you and people people can look at it and go okay that's I see how that works. I see how that looks like, you know, it, 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 you look at my website, for example, this is just something I think about because because I had to do an, an audit of my website as we we're rebuilding it. I think I have like 10 articles dedicated to uh, addiction, sobriety, forgiveness and and to write those things like that. I mean, you just write them. Uh it's not like I was thinking SEO. I was thinking this is what's important to me. It, right. It just so happens that people are also looking for that stuff when they find it. You know, if I did a good job, they'll, they'll stay. If not, they bounce. But I think they've done a good job because those articles bring a lot of, of traffic. And it's the same principle in your life. You know, if you just if you do the best job you can with what you are given, what you have, and you continually try to add value, you'll you'll be able to. Good things tend to happen to good people. Yeah, it, it, probabilistically, it may not happen in the. I think it, it, it for me anyway. It certainly doesn't happen the time frame that my ego wants. But oh, I think, yeah. but it, it you're you're right. It's it's playing the long game, and I think if you're consistent with that, and there's plenty of things when you when you pursue that authentically of adding value and not expecting thing in return again at the same time i i never go anything selfishly i'm always wanting to gain something but the more that i have to remind myself that hey i'm doing this because this is my purpose i'm adding value um i get things along the way that may not pay the light bill but it certainly 
fills the emotional fuel tank that keeps me going forward. And then eventually out of the blue, I'll, I'll get the big client. I'll get the big payday, right? As long as yeah. I stay true and I continue to f- follow that. I don't know what, how that resonates with you when you hear me say that. Oh, big time. Oh, two things you said there. One, you know, we, we were talking about the, like, the PR reach out. And, and the guy who, who runs the agency I ended up working with, he, he cut me a, a decent deal for the first time in. And he said, he goes, you know, I was just looking over everything you've done so far and everything you put together. And he goes, I have a feeling that you're going to, even though it's a, it's a lower tier package than we offer because of the price difference, I have a feeling that you're going to get more out of it than most people because you'll look at it and you won't just let it exist in the background. You'll you'll do things and capture that attention and convert it. And and that, you know, first of all, that's just a, a nice thing to hear as a, as a hustling person. It's a nice thing to hear. But but I had to think, like, why does that really resonate with me so much? Why does that make me feel uh, accomplished and capable? And the reality of this situation uh, is that, yeah, is that to, to go from nothing to something, uh, your mindset has to be entrepreneurial in the sense that where you see value misappropriated or misaligned, you go, you know what, I can take all that material, whatever that material is, make something better or move it to a market where it's going to be more appreciated. And then I'll be able to profit off the same thing that was sitting over there and do nothing but just see it as a better use somewhere else. And if you take that um, that mentality and you apply it to uh, ideas, people, places, whatever, right? You can do a lot. It's not just about money. I mean, I think entrepreneurial uh, entrepreneurship is a mindset in that regard there. So that by itself, uh, that was the first thing that really stood out to me. Uh, the second thing, no, I'm, I'm trying to, I, 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 still caught up, I, I can't remember <laughs> what you were saying, uh, but I had, I had two ideas. It'll, it'll come back to me. It, it will. Was it about the, um, oh, what did I say? I said that, um, that it was a long game that, you know, that eventually like the emotional things that you do along the way, you get the emotional fuel tank that wouldn't right, put a light That's through. the, oh, right, right yeah. now I remember. And the other big thing, there's a book that came out a while ago called Ikigai. And the whole idea was that if you did this, this, this Ikigai is this Japanese uh, idea that you find the thing that uh, the world wants that it will pay for that um that you're naturally good at and also adds value it's a four-point system if you hit all four points it's some pot you'll, you'll be happy you'll be fulfilled you'll make a difference and that stuck with me and the minute i read i read the book in one sitting it's a short easy book i'm pretty sure it's ikigai um and it also resonates with something i read a while ago about okay what what makes a job happy and i think it was like a freakonomic study where they were looking at you know why so many children of first generation immigrants become doctors and lawyers right and it's because they watch their parents come over and and do jobs that had autonomy complexity and scale to pay and something about seeing those three things in the same job tends to impart a a large number of productive values on the the person you know you get you while you watch your parents you know as hard as they work depends on you know whether you have a good christmas or not they look like they're happy right it also makes a job you know makes a person happy in the job and you know then you also see 
is the work interesting? If it, is, it, is it complex enough? Is it, is it you know, if, if it's too simple, you're not interested. Like mind-numbly simple. Like I work security, like that kind of mind-numbly simple uh, before. And also, do you work on your own? Are you autonomous? Or do you have to uh, wait for someone to give you the, the green light to go ahead? It turns out that that's not very good for our, our happiness when it comes to work. So if you if you can hit that guy principle, if you can get those things that the world values that you're good at, that you're naturally interested in, and that will pay well, and you can also find things that are uh, that, that grant you a sense of autonomy, the work is complex, and it scales to the effort that you put forward, whether it being fixed on a salary, no matter how hard you work, you tend to do all right. And I, and I find that those two principles, when they come together, uh, also naturally remove the tendency to, to cause destruction in the world. Yeah, I like what you're saying. And that resonates with me too. And I, I believe that's correct. I, I I sit there and I think while you're talking, I was thinking about this show and I'm looking it up. I can't remember what it's called on Netflix, but that uh, rapper Killer Mike, he's got a show on Netflix. God, what is it called? Oh, I'm, I, I, I can't remember the name either, but, but I feel like it's related to jobs. Well, he had it. Uh, he... <laughs> It was funny because he went into this school, right? And Killer Mike's pretty, you know, his whole point is to, to, to be, in his mind, authentic and, and controversial and say things that nobody wants to hear, but to address. And, and so I, 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 I'm, I, I like following him because it's, it's, I like that kind of mindset, you know? Even if you disagree with someone, I like it when you stand by something, you know what I mean? And you can back it up with things. I'm a real fan of that. And so he went into the school and with these little kids, right? And I think they were first or second graders. And he goes, what do you guys want to be? And, you know, and he went around the room and he's asking all these kids. And, you know, the kids say, one of them says, well, I want to be a president. I think the girl said that. And he goes, you're never going to be a president. Get real. You know, let's start focusing on this. <laughs> and he's like, someone says, I'm going to be a football player. You're not going to be a football player. You know, I want to be a rapper. You're never going to be a rapper, you know. And he's a, and so I'm like, why is he being such a dream crusher? And I guess his point was, and I don't know if I agree with it fully on what he's saying, you know. His, his point was, is like kind of what you said about what you said about that, those principles. Focus on these things and you will have a successful, significant life was his point. And that we do, we're doing a disservice by kind of pushing a bunch of dreams on on kid like you can be anything you want to be and his point you can't mm-hmm. be anything you want to be and i and <laughs> i it was weird because i never i'm like wow you know because i tell my kids they can be anything they want to be but it's like a fine line right i mean where do you what do you think about when you hear that about telling somebody yeah come on man i mean it's got to be realistic you, like if like if i said hey hey ed i'm gonna be a heavyweight boxer and i'm 52 <laughs> you'd be like Come on, man, get real. You know, you'd you'd give me a reality check if you were my coach, right? So that's that's I, that's I, his I point, think, I think. Okay, so there are outliers where your genetics will will, will more or less guarantee that you can do a thing, right? Right. right. But, but you know, like for example, I turned I read somewhere that like if you're over seven feet tall, there's like a thirty percent chance, like one in three, that you're in the NBA. Okay, like like some things just make it uh, yeah. more likely and then predisposed. Yeah. Always, yeah. But um, if you if you catch someone early enough. And they are of reasonable intelligence, 
a th- most things are available to them of reasonable health and intelligence, you know, and and how far they go will depend on on quite a few things out of their control, like if they can, you know, are they fast enough to to do this? Are they smart enough uh, to do that? But I, I don't. I'm not comfortable with the idea of telling young children. Yeah, that's where that I. That's where I think that's where I would get. Because because they still have the advantage of of time, right? Now, the older you get, yeah, the more you got to face reality. Okay, you know, you, you like like right now, for example, I'm, I'm 35. Here are a list of things that I will never do. I will never play in the NFL. Right? <laughs> I could go out there. And and work super hard. I, I'm not gonna make it. I, I'm not old. I'm not. I'm not strong enough. Like I, and the opportunities, mm-hmm. I, my body's under decline. What is possible, for example, though, is is, is if I go and really practice. You know, I'm, I'm reasonable intelligence. If I go and I, I pick up an, a musical instrument and I start, and I'm willing to put in ten years right now, thirty up. Yeah, by 46, 47, I probably could earn a living or at least make some money and be a performer. Yeah, but but is is that reasonable? Like given the time and space, well, it depends on how badly I want it. Right, 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 right. right. There's nothing, but but there are. I think the younger you are, the more, it's hard because you because you're playing probability too. And and I never I never stop appreciating probability. If you take if you take one hundred kids and you tell them and and they say I want to be a rapper, man, look. Yeah, let's define a rapper. You know, are you going to get paid based on your music and image? Not, you know, right. I'm going to sit there and drop some verb, some some words. Yeah, you know, probably less than ten percent of you are going to make that. Like, so less less than less than ten. But but it, it's it's so hard. It's so hard. I'm, I'm so torn because I know I don't want to be a dream crusher. I don't. I, th- I think I think I think you just hit it on the head. I mean, that's where I kind of. I, I was watching what he was doing and I was like, oh, something didn't sit right with me. But at the same time, he had a point. But I think it's I think it's a balance between, you know, if some kid raises their hand and said, I want to be president of the United States someday, I would say, hey, go for it. You know, that's a great dream. Here's 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 how challenging it is to get to that point. You know what I mean? Well, or, right. You know, I want to be president. You, you think about it. How many presidents have there been? 45. How many humans have there been? You, <laughs> right. you have a better chance of getting struck. You have a better chance of dying in a plane crash. And the result of that plane crash is that lightning struck the airplane. Right. Like that, that's not right. happening for all intents and purposes. Go do something else. There's, I think there's a problem. Um, I can't remember the exact wording of it, but but I'm gonna paraphrase it. It's like the 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 ten thousand chiefs problem, and that is you live in a village with ten thousand people, and the chief is the best job you can have, right? And uh, ten thousand people is a little more than a village, so we'll go with like a thousand, right? Thousand people, and the chief is the best job you can have. Thing is, there's only one chief, and once you become chief. Uh, and, and the chief is like for like 20 years or something. So you lose a significant amount of time being chief. And and if you try to become chief, what's the trade-off to make this investment worthwhile? Well, you will do nothing else. Like if you don't become chief, you're going to be a bum. And they'll probably sacrifice your user's bait when they go out hunting. But if you become chief, you get all the, these accolades. So then you got to ask yourself, okay, what is it worth for me? 
to to go and chase this dream of of becoming chief, getting all the riches and the leadership and responsibility. But if I don't make it, I can't do anything else. Like there's no second place in this scenario. It's already <laughs> yeah. and the whole point was that in tournament games, the trade-off from first to second place tends to be so severe that you really like that not only do you have to work hard, you have to be lucky in terms of your your genetic talent and opportunity and not getting injured or have are in a non-competitive or non-sports environment have something that takes you out of the competition it has nothing to do with the competition itself there's so many things and i think i mean that's a heavy-handed way to go about it but i think that's the greater point or, or rather when i say heavy-handed that 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 squashes people who might have otherwise had a chance to do it is that yeah you know you, your odds are low there are some safer routes yeah and, and i think it's hilarious coming from a guy like <laughs> a guy who is in that 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 low percentile success area it's like yeah man like like yeah there's, there, there ain't gonna be too many killer mics like so for killer mike to make the make the um the declaration that you should not go and do what he's trying to do. Yeah, if he goes, I'm lucky, and you probably won't be as lucky. But well, I think he even said. I think he even said that because I think there was one kid that said he wanted to be a rapper. He said, "Look, man," he said, I, "I'm in the game, and I'm telling you, you know, the probability of you making it is, and it's nothing against, you know, it's just a lot of luck. It's a lot of timing. It's it, but it's it's a lot. It's tenacity and and everything else. I mean, it's like never giving up, and he." And I, I guess that's the ch- the challenge. His whole point was, which I did like, is he said what he was trying to raise awareness of with these kids, and for the the whole point of this episode was that, look, nothing wrong with chasing dreams, but let's let's get real. If we focus on, and that's what I loved what you said about those principles. If we focus on number one, recognizing authentically what what I'm mentally, physically, genetically predisposed for. Right. Mm-hmm. Let's just be real about that, and 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 look at your personality. Have a tremendous amount of self awareness about wh- wh- what is it. What am I here put here for? Which takes a lot of work, and I don't. And I think that that kind of gets the rub of what I think most of us don't do until yeah. too late in life. <laughs> you know, like what are we here to do? And then bec- there's a wide berth in that. I mean, there's a lot of things to do. Once you kind of figure out what you're good at and then, and then pursue it and and go with the mindset of adding value, then things start to fall into place is what his point was. And so he was saying, don't, yeah. don't be afraid of pursuing a trade. You know, there, he said, his whole point was, is like, look, you need to have a mindset. And I liked what he said here. You need to have a mindset of trying to look around and seeing where can I add value and solve problems? Yes. And if this person over here is struggling because they got a broke air conditioner, and you know what? I'm pretty good at tinkering around. Maybe I can fix that air conditioner and get paid. That's his point, right? And don't and d- there's not there's there's nothing more beautiful than that was his point. You know, is exactly is, now that I'm like 150 percent behind no matter what is because I think I think a lot of people. Once again, they're looking at an outcome. Mm-hmm. And when you look at an outcome, you really miss um, 
or you you miscalculate is it is it out is it worth it because you don't see everything else that went into that you don't mm-hmm. see the trade off right right and and so like like when people just talk to me about wanting to grow a website for example I'm like you have to understand like <laughs> I don't have a weak website I don't have a great website in terms of ranking but I have way better than average now you understand been been writing at this point for seven years, invested money, time, link connections, talking, living a life that makes people interested in talking to me and coming to link to the site and grow it all that stuff. And there's so much that goes into it. I tell guys all the time, you know, if you if you want to like make a living online, man, just work for some, get a job that'll let you work online, right? But you but you're you're looking at the outcome. Are you willing? And when you look at the outcome you don't know if you're willing to to put up with the process. And when you discover how grueling the process is and you're only focused on the, the on what you can get from it, you, you're probably going to go, this is not worth it. Yeah. I like what you're saying there because, and I, and I think this is why I've stuck with anything that I've done in life. And I, and I, I would assume that even with you with boxing and everything else, if you just focused on, you're right. I mean, if you look at your boxing journey, I would guess that some of the great lessons you learned wasn't from the actual fights. It was the preparation for the fights. Is that a fair statement? Absolutely. Because look, yeah, uh, boxing, man, there's any better example of of looking at an outcome <laughs> yeah. and then misjudging it. Yeah. And you you get into this this sport that is, I mean, let's talk about the negatives because the negatives far outweigh the positives. There, there's zero. I mean, there's no money. Like, like, forget that. There's like you can get some money, but like people see the the superstars and they think, oh, all I gotta do is go fight. It's easy. I can just sign up at a gym. And I'm like, okay, you'll <laughs> see. Yeah. Uh, this and then and then you know, it's it's a very painful, unforgiving sport. You realize that. Uh, there are people. If, if you're not hungry, you're in there, and you can die. I mean, you got to sign a waiver that says yeah, you got to die, and the right. rules are the being followed. You know, you can yeah. do about it, or nothing your family can do about it because you're gone. Yeah. Um, and yeah, there's a lot of time and sacrifice, huge opportunity cost. People, you know, th- th- there's not a lot about my life that I feel like people should go. That's impressive, right? But anyone who understands what it takes to get to have even a modicum of success, let alone uh, what what I think was a level of success that I had, which, which wasn't great. It, it wasn't like, you know, I'm not going to go to the Hall of Fame or anything, but it's okay. But to do that while simultaneously being in school and serving in, in the Army, that's a, it's a lie because there's a great opportunity cost usually to be even half to go as far. But there's some luck. Anyhow, the point of bringing that up, our, our folk are, are talking about the boxing is to show they they see oh fighters are cool people look up to this these guys are on tv and the reality is man most of these guys when they're done with the game the game's going to chew them up and spit them out and never give a second thought to them mm-hmm. it's not like the other sports where there's some kind of um pension or backup plan like no nothing like that if you get hurt during a fight great the 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 blanket insurance policy to put the fight on will cover you but if you get hurt during training ain't nothing they can do for you i had i got i got hurt one time in um 
and sparring. And I had to have surgery. I had the surgery to repair a fractured, um, I guess, uh, not quite orbital, but mm-hmm. it was it was in my eye. And I got so lucky because I was on a program where they were they they paid us like employees because you can't pay amateurs. Uh, they paid us like employees, and the result in the state of California, they had to have everything where I was living at the time. They had to set you up with unemployment compensation and they had to insure you and everything so it got taken care of that's luck yeah most boxers don't have that situation but they still got to spar to get better that surgery would have been like 50 grand man and your is your health insurance gonna cover it maybe it depends most boxers ain't got health insurance because the opportunity cost to train and fight you're not you know you're not gonna have a job yeah. Where you can pay where you can get that. Yeah. So it's very there's so much sacrifice, so much risk involved. Well, I th- but why why do I keep doing it, man? I, I enjoy. It. Well, that's that, that's <laughs> what I was going to say is that that I think you, know, you probably you know looking back on it with wisdom and and kind of um, you know a, a chance to reflect on it is that you probably got a lot out of it that shaped you to the man that you're at are right now today in 2020 Absolutely. right i mean just be and and it all depends i mean i suppose and it sounds like and you know watching some of your other interviews doing my homework on you you alluded to some of that that you had some great teachers and you had a great great coach i mean if you have that along the way that kind of teaches you those life lessons right because i think when you probably went into boxing I mean, the dream, if I'm guessing right, looking at your stories that you put on your website and what you've said, I mean, when you went into the Army and, and boxing, that's when things really started to turn around, or at least the anger was channeled into a more positive way, right? And yeah. You, yeah. The, 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 you know, I never, well, I mean, I had some anger, but I think my, my bigger issue was I did not think particularly high of myself. Yeah. Yeah, and when you don't think highly of yourself, it's a lot easier to engage in self-destructive behavior because what are you destroying? Something you don't value. Okay, it wasn't until I really, you know, things really started to move along, and and I I became someone that I respected, where I was like, okay, this person uh, would not do X, Y, and Z. This person cares about himself and where everything's going to go and what you're going to become. So then you start making decisions that reflect that. It's kind of like if you got some new furniture, you know, you don't want people to spill stuff on it. <laughs> so, <laughs> right. so you tell me careful, you know, I'm like, All right, I got some new furniture. I'm on my new, I got the new car smell in me, man. Don't, don't leave that trash in my car. And that's how I started to live and see myself. And, and really do the, the actions that lead to I'm a big believer that action leads to mindset not the other way around mm-hmm. no, I like that actions, I like that mm-hmm. taking those actions you know being involved in in boxing being involved in in the military when I got sober one of the things that I had four things and I was one of the things I said okay I'm now under uh, the jurisdiction of the US our UCMJ United States Code of Military Justice along with civilian police held to a higher standard boxing careers professional trying to move up held to a higher standard and, I, and also i got interactive people and, and i have to compete well okay i don't want to look like a fool in that regard starting uh i felt like this was like my last shot effort to make myself a valuable human so i'm in school now okay so now we got three and i just met the woman 
that, that you know, is in the other room now. This was eight years ago. And I'm like, I think there might be some potential here. Let's not mess it up. Like, if we mess it up, let's mess it up because I'm an a-hole, not because um, I'm I'm out there always drinking and being a fool and I have no control of my behavior whatsoever. So all of this comes together and it's like, oh, I am trying to make changes now. And that's what I think there's some self-respect. And you and you don't get that if you're not trying to do something, right? Uh you you like like I don't I don't care how many books you read, how many motivational seminars you listen to, whatever, right? You have to actually be doing something that makes you go, okay, I can think highly of myself from this. I, I have some something, you know, when people look at me, they see something and I look at myself and I see something. If if you're nobody, if you're not doing anything to better yourself, it'll it'll never happen. Yeah. I mean, I certainly agree with you. I think nothing really happens until, and for me anyway, it's, it's the self-awareness of how much of the limiting beliefs and negative self-talk I've had throughout my entire life. And one of the biggest lessons I've got from this show, I'm doing 420 plus conversations and I've had some, you know, pretty big names on here and they've all said the same thing. They struggle with it even to this day. And that was a huge relief for me in realizing from an empathetic standpoint that, man, we're not, we're all in the same boat. And the go, oh, and, yeah. and my point is, is going back. And I think, you know, when I look at, Stories like yours, and I mean, and, and there's a, there's a million stories of like yours, and everybody, and everybody's got their own personal struggles and demons and backgrounds and dysfunctions and everything else. And if you can't get to the point to where you value yourself, it's never gonna it's never gonna change. Because even if you saw levels of success, and I and I I would say that would even be me. And I had my splat moment where I almost got divorced, you know, 13 years ago, as as I was, you know, I was 38 at the time. 37 and on the external everything looked good but internally i didn't value myself and so i wasn't the same Mm. person i wasn't the same person that you saw on stage and then behind the scenes if that makes sense right i was still doing (laughs) self-destructive self-destructive behavior you know and I don't know, man. And when I hear it, and I guess that's why I, I, I guess that's a, probably the reason why I do the show because and the same reason, probably why you're doing what you're doing, I guess, because you, in a sense, and, and it's, you're still on a journey, right? I mean, I think you're still going every day. You got to get up and you got to, the, 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 the journey never ends, never ends. <laughs> but, but how do you, how do we, I don't know, in particular with the world so upside down, you know, and you see all these particularly these kids in their in their 20s and they seem so angry and everything so you know and everybody and and there's legitimate concerns out there right and but i just it just seems like it gets hijacked of this kind of victimology mindset and i'll use my own two oldest kids for that man they're in their early 20s and it's and it's like I don't know what i it just seems like what you're saying right there to me the answer is is this kind of how do you get to the point where you can just see see your value and and understand that the obligation that we have is to make the campsite better than we found it, right? And if you adopt that, which you are one of those guys, it seems like, okay, at some point you got to the point where you said, you know what, I got an obligation here to make the place better than I found it and add value and at the same process freedom, which I think is huge for all of us, right? Personal freedom, which I, w- I just wish people would 
grasp onto it. You know what I mean? And and uh-huh. and, and I think the the key is to what you said. To my point of kind of going long winded here is is that if people could find the answer to to find some self respect for themselves, because I think that's where all the bullshit happens, right? Because people yeah. just they in. And we can go to all the reasons why we don't. I mean, you know, you, your family screwed up. You didn't have a father. Uh, you grew up poor. I, I don't, it's endless, right? But at some point, if you get that self-respect and start adding value, then things can change. I don't know. What do you think about I said a lot there, but I was just kind of. Oh, no, no, no. I'm, no, I'm tracking, man. I'm tracking. Like, like how about I, the, the one thing I, I latched on to, how, how do I get or how do we get people to cultivate that that mindset of self-respect and also seeing the world in a better, you know, make it a better place? I think I think counterintuitively somewhat, you have to get people to care a lot about themselves. Yeah. Not not you know, in a not in a narcissistic, yeah, not 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 that way. Yeah. But you need them to to hold themselves to a standard, because because you can't. The, 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 there's too much focus on things we can't control, right? Uh, and and I think that comes from people not feeling in control of themselves. So how do we how do we fix that? Well, we we invert and we start basic. I can control my diet and not just food, but my information diet as well. I can control what comes into my, my mind. I can control the people I spend most with. of my time yep. around mm-hmm. and bring it. And that only happens when I, when I start to value how I feel and how I live. If you take care of that, some interesting things will happen as a result. One, you'll only, you'll, you'll start to surround yourself with people who want to make you'll make things better like you'll you'll find like minds yeah anyone on the cusp they're going to then see how you live and how you go and find some inspiration find some uh, points to discuss with you pick your brain you'll have a positive influence on them and then anyone who's like nah man you crazy yeah, I ain't trying to hear this, man. Let's go, let's go be fools and troll and mess people up. Uh, you won't have any use for them, and there's nothing we can really do about them. They they're on their their journey, but I find, but but it has been my experience that people like that are more misguided than malicious. So when we focus on those two, what have we done? We have we have expanded the scope of people who are now thinking in that regard we'll control the first thing then the second order my family friends now we were starting to build slowly but surely this community of people who now have respect for themselves and then by extension they respect the environment that is going to sustain and support the people around them and themselves as well and that's pretty much it i think that that if, if you get that and it just keeps growing and growing you but it all starts with you taking care of yourself first and then I guess I mean I guess you have your kids that you can you can have a direct influence on and how they go out and interact with everyone else. You know, like like the old they used to always say, it starts at home. I really believe that. The order I get them, I think yeah, it starts it starts where the and, and by home, if you don't feel comfortable, I know some people don't if you don't feel comfortable with that idea, it starts with you. It starts with yourself and then you being the leader and chief influence of everyone around you trying to create, trying to make yourself the center of reference and not letting people know who degrade your experience 
If, if we go after that and live that way, if we if we get even ten percent of the population, I think yeah, I, that, I agree. That way, we we'd, we'd make a really big impact on the world. I love right it. now, people feel out of control and out. Of, yeah, I, well, I, you, you said some things that resonates very deeply with me, and I agree. And I think that I used to think, you know, leadership was so external that it was my job to motivate the masses or influence the masses. And I think that's the wrong way to look at it. And what you just said there so eloquently is that if we focus on the internal, and I think it's 85% of the battle, I really do, mm-hmm. 80, 85 percent of the time of, of getting yourself right, taking on that personal responsibility, treating your body like the precious commodity that it is, to your point, like, okay, if I see this as a precious commodity, what am I putting in it, both in terms of nutrition and also what am I reading? Am I looking at porn and play video games or am I reading a book? <laughs> right? yeah. You know what I'm saying? Or am I reading a book today? You know, or whatever. Or am I listening to a podcast? Or am, And then who are you surrounding yourself with? And then just by you like you said by you doing it i'm just paraphrasing what you just said but by by you doing that you're shining the light on yourself you give people around you the permission to do the same and there's tremendous influence in that there's tremendous value in that and i think that's that's where it starts i mean that really is the actionable item that i'm getting away from this conversation you know yeah oh it's it it all starts with what you can control and the only thing you can control is yourself uh, i think i think making peace with that idea is is key because a lot of people operate erroneously under the um belief that they can control other people well but when you were a kid and so you grew up obviously you know you grew up in a pretty tough environment your old man wasn't around, right? Am I, did I get that right? He wasn't around. Uh, he, he, well, I, I, I knew him, you know, and everything. But, but he wasn't. A, he wasn't. A he wasn't had a, a presence yeah. daily, even close to it. So, did that generate? When you're looking back now, did that generate a lot of your the lostness and the anger? I mean, uh, you up? know what was interesting? I, I've thought a lot about this recently probably over the past year because my mom brought it up and it was an interesting point she goes you know when whenever you write about these things you write about me and not your father and he was the one not really around why you know why is that and and i realized you know i I, it was difficult to be angry at someone because i i think what happened as opposed to what didn't right what didn't happen you know my my father wasn't around so this is not it's hard to feel positively or negatively. He didn't go out of his way to hurt me. He didn't go out of his way to help me. He was just kind of there. I mean, as I got older and I got to see other kids, I just, by the time I could, I could see what a life could have been like, I just was like, what's the point? And then he died when I was 18. So I never really had a, a chance to go, huh, you messed up and dropped the ball. And I feel a certain way about it. But I think about the way I had to adapt, a lot of the stress that I endured, um, a lot of the problems I faced, the problems I had to overcome. A lot of those were the, the result of my my relationship with my mom, you know. Yeah, right. Her, right. Her issues. See, that's what that's what I see when I said pre-recording that that's kind of a, and I I appreciate this, I love this because I'm I'm certainly that way, this a kind of a stoic mindset, right? And I. 
And I think you're right. We have this tendency, and I'm kind of guilty of it just by, by the question that I asked, was, oh, well, you must have been angry because your father wasn't around. You're like, look, man, my reality was this, and he was just wasn't that right? And so – yeah. But like I don't like and and it's not like like I, I never let myself be hopeful. I mean, I went through a period of anger where I was like what could have been had we been, but that wasn't like the the thing that uh ever degraded my feeling. The main experience that I think about is like is is I developed a personality and and started to become wise and aware of how the world worked outside of the, the i mean it was a bubble it was a bubble and now it was a, it was a very dysfunctional bubble like i didn't go up or grow up I, I didn't spend significant time around anyone outside of the public housing projects i was not uh, in the ninth grade when i went to high wow. school across town so I, I just didn't know things right um once i got to see things then then the anger really piled on because i realized how much of a disadvantage i was because of some poor decisions many poor decisions uh made by my mom i realized that my personality and the way i saw the world we couldn't get ahead and i just wanted to help and learn um we wanted to help what i what i knew and learned but but there's nothing more the only thing more frustrating me until you know you're just a kid is when psychologically you feel like the person in charge of you is no more mature. But but like the only trump card they have is this age thing. No, no, in retrospect, right? I'm an 11 year old. There's nothing I can do. I'm just thinking about like uh, incidents. But but there are things that that you come to expect, and you and you know when you're let down. You know when you're being exp- you know when, mm-hmm. when you have to grow up. Like I think every kid who's been through anything remotely related to a traumatic experience they they know when the parent dropped the ball i mean i know exactly how but i think back and i'm like man we were really okay right and then as and now as an adult you know it it, it it's raised an interesting contradiction in the way i see the world i am 100 percent whatever your life is you know it's it's your fault and you have to take responsibility and you have to build your world yourself and once you become an adult it's up to you yeah i still believe that but i cannot in good conscience say it's only uh that, that it's just that i look at how everyone around me grew up and i trace it back to things that i saw growing up and the way my family treated them and what they were exposed to and the influences they got to see and in many ways um my existence my mindset and all that i'm i'm the outlier i'm the lucky one. i should yeah. be just like everyone else but i'm not so so i look and i go okay there's that too uh what what uh what is the right answer and the right answer is that there is there is no right answer it's it, well, here's what i came up with I, I said this to my mom one day we were discussing the difference between how my sister came out and i came out uh born on the same roof raised the same way roughly but, but my sister is in, is in a dramatically different spot in life um and i said you got lucky in that you were that your first kid I like like I said you could have dropped me in a slum somewhere in a third world country and I probably would have achieved prominence, right? I didn't need as much guidance. On the other end, right, my sister probably needed a bit more and you couldn't you weren't she, out she there. You couldn't do it. And and then you have kids. I mean, I, I don't have kids, but you, They're you all have four kids. Different. Your opinion on this, on the idea that like 
while generally you have to instill the same kind of values that you want them to have, but in terms of like the the different ways you have to go about them because they're different people. Yeah. Um, All four starkly different in the way they view the world, the way the, their personal habits. And you could argue, and I didn't treat the four of them differently. You know, I, I guess as an umbrella, they grew under the same house, the same with under my same values and principles, but they all four turned out different, right? Stark, yeah. starkly different. But that's, I guess that's where, where it gets frustrating because what I just heard you say, I mean, okay. And I had a, I had a woman on my show about a year and a half ago and she is the CEO of a, um, health facility here in town and she told me her story and I was about knocked I I mean I just I couldn't speak after talking with her because she grew up in I mean it was like a third world war zone the way she described it when she heard it you know she grew up in in the projects of Chicago and her parents were just non-existent and she had a you know her brother died in her arms and they lived in a I mean, she was going to school as a kid, you know, same age, like 9, 10, 11. They were sleeping in cars where the police would tow cars. They would put them in some lot. And in the winter, she'd sleep in those cars. Like, she'd break into those cars and sleep with her brother. And I'm just like, what? I just can't even, it just doesn't even sound real. And I said, what, how did, you know, looking back on it, and her brother her brother wasn't so successful, right? I mean, his brother's still alive. Her mom's still alive. And she's come to peace with her mom. Kind of the same thing that you just said about, like, your mom. Like, she's really angry at her mom for putting her in this situation. And she's come to peace with it. And I said, well, how did you, how did you, what is the answer? How did you do it? And her answer was, a lot of it was faith. But she had a teacher who never gave up on her. And that was, to her, that was the difference. A public school teacher that did everything for her, that told her that you're going to get out of this, you're something special. You know what I mean? Like pumped, pumped in that reality of like you're, you're unique, you're something different. You know, not just bullshit self-esteem, but like real, you can be something. You know, and was there to, to clothe and help and when needed and pull her out of dangerous situations, but... But she's she's the outlier. Like she even said the same thing that you just said. You know, it. She's the outlier. Yeah, because you you become you just become aware of it. I mean, and she feels guilty about. She still struggles with the guilt about that. By the way, and she she's that's her big demon was the guilt about that. Which I was like, okay, I guess I get that. But. You know, it's interesting. I personally don't have any guilt about it. Yeah, right? I'm with. You. I, I am one hundred. You know, I just go. You know what? I got I got dealt some some cards. Everyone gets dealt the different kind of distribution. My distribution um, is is what I get, and in the environment, the luck, the all that. Right, I have a friend almost identical to me, and in fact, we, our birthdays are a week apart. It's, it's weird, um, and we we grew up in the in the in the same housing project until I moved to another one. He stayed there. I mean, we lost touch, and we, we recently reconnected the, the power of social media. And, and we, you know, we, we get along great. Have different, have, have the same kind of interaction and humor. But but a funny thing happened in his life path. You know, by, by sheer luck, sheer luck, uh, and bad police work, 
he ended up dodging what would have likely put him away for for double digit year sentences. He ended up getting it reduced to like 18 months. He he took his heightened perspective and, and ways to relate to people. And like he broke it down to me like how he how he moved so far ahead and is a is a drug trafficker. And a lot of it was because he understood like how to how to be likable and be charismatic mm-hmm. and like people and smart very, very much the same kind of traits i think i have just applied them differently right mm-hmm. well you know <laughs> yeah, like he told yeah. he told a great deal i mean the way he told the story from his rise from nothing to something was like i was like man i could have told this story if it would have happened to me but he like he he gives it and is and is interesting and intelligent in that way. But his circumstances put him there. You know, there's so much we can't control. And I think the the job of of parents is to is to stack the odds in the favor in their of their favor. offspring. But that's all they can do is stack. The yeah, odds at in some their point favor. the individual has to. You know, it's funny that you brought that up. It just triggered or remember that conversation. The other part of part of her survival. Was she had that self? We were talking about self awareness of the of her strengths. She had that early on, and so as she kind of used the gang as, which makes perfect sense to kind of become the familiar unit, right? The family unit. Hmm. I said, "How did you survive in in the gang? You know, as a as a woman in the gang?" She, she goes, "You know, I never got I never got raped, I never got forced on because I was the I was good at um, accounting." I was good at keeping the books straight. And so she used that strength in that kind of hopeless situation to kind of protect herself, right? And and so she's using that kind oh, like of like some Shawshank Redemption type. Yeah, stuff, right, right, you know? <laughs> and what, what I was reminding too when I said that she felt guilty. She wasn't guilty that she was the outlier. I just remember now there was a kid on the street, and I forget what her, his name was, but he was if, if he was the positive motivating force like he was always positive like he was always you know he's staying away from the drugs he was staying away from this he was always i'm gonna be this i'm gonna be an entrepreneur i'm gonna do that you know everybody looked to him like he was the de facto leader of like of the dreams right and then but he got killed he got shot in a drive-by or something and and she saw it happen and that is what makes her feel guilty it's like why him and not me right you know what i mean so why did he not survive if anybody that should have survived have been him and so she but she took that again the positive to try to take it a positive out of the negative she took she sits on his shoulders as she puts it you know what i mean and i thought i was just blown away so everything that she does that keeps her in check her reality check is she thinks back to him it's like i'm doing this for him which i think is i think it's about the only thing you can do right I mean, if you're going to be successful, that is it. And the only thing you can do is, is find you, you, you find a reason, man, you know, cause some people get hopeless. It's, it's interesting. And, and they don't, I, I never, I wish I understood why some people were able to go. This is a situation I have to escape. And other people go, this is a situation I have to just succumb to or embrace. I'm hopeless. And, and you know, I'm sure there's a genetic component. But I think it's a, it's a little bit of everything. I mean, it's to your point. It's like, why would you, you know, same thing like in the case of this woman I'm talking about. Why did her brother not have a successful life? And same thing with why did your sister's path different than yours? I think 
somehow I think, you know, your your brain is wired probably differently. You know what I mean? I, yeah. I, I think regardless of the circumstances, I see that in my kids. I mean, I can give them the same speech. I can give them the same this and that. They're all going to look, <laughs> you know, they're all they going to make their own decisions, reason. right? Yeah. But what do you think we should do? I mean, I don't know. I, I, I really been bothered by this year and the lack of leadership and everything. And, and again, I don't want to get political. I'm not, this isn't a political show, but how, how do you feel about the general optimism of the state of the world and everything else? I know. I mean, where, where do you, where, where do you, well, how do you look well, at here, it? Here's been my perspective forever. Like as far back, I can remember arguing this when once I have friends uh, arguing this, I've, I've always thought and this is not a message of hope. I mean, I guess it is if you use it the right way, which I have definitely made sure I'm in a position to use it. I've always thought, one, uh, that, that the United States as we know it will not survive two more generations. Uh, I didn't expect things to heat up so quickly, but I, I did not think that I've never thought that um, we were going to be able to unify that there, there are too many competing interests. And one thing I figured out um, a long time ago, if for what I don't know why, is that uh, when you have this many competing interests, that you can't, um, you can't get people to work together, right? That this is what, well, like I've, I've always thought politics was odd because in my mind. Uh, I always figure, okay, if there's an optimal way to run a place, it's just optimal. It shouldn't have a, uh, an agenda. And, and the fact that people think that there are some things that are more important than others, um, that, that we are whether it's worth putting energy in, and you just you you see the different ways the politics was, you know, the the angles that would make someone decide to be a be to, to lean a certain way. I just thought always that I was foolish, so I never got involved in, and I, and I figured that would be the undoing. Uh, so there's that. And then and the older I got, I used to say, wow, it looks like the more I learned, I was like, wow, you're something you can just like bounce to other countries and there's different ways to move and, and get in. And to it, someone replied, well, you know, what if there's an issue in those countries? And I said, you're right. And I just, but I thought, well, but if I can go from that place, I can go to that place and just figure that out and move around. So my, my goal for dealing with this and and like I said, I mean, this is how I think, and I will fully admit that if everyone thought like me, that probably would accelerate the decline. <laughs> um, my my thought process has been to focus on making myself as autonomous as possible, as independent uh, from needing to stay here as I need to be. Um, that, that definitely got sped up when I met um, a, a European citizen who, who wow, I, I should have married probably a few years ago, but um, right on on schedule. You know, I I'd spent a bunch of time and and right before I came back here, we we were actually living in, in Europe. I just I don't I don't see how this is salvageable because there is there's so much misinformation, distrust disinformation there, there's so and and to sort through this the smoke is going to be very difficult and then and then and then on top of that uh culture is now I maybe mean, people don't understand how significant this is i don't know if you've ever seen the movie idiocracy huh. it was supposed to just be uh be a uh a joke right 
but 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 what has happened? Everyone talks about oh, you know, why, why it's a problem that Donald Trump got elected as a reality TV star, all this. Like, well, you have to understand, the, all you see is the outcome. The process that led up to it was a general distrust of politicians mm-hmm. as they abuse their power, as they, you know, people don't, but lobbying is basically legalized corruption right. as far as I'm concerned. Yep. And eventually people just get tired of this and then they just want something different. You know, whether you agree with that difference or not, what does that do? That sets the, that that sets the the table now for what? Now we have Kanye West running <laughs> legitimately. Like it looks like a joke, and now and and that okay, twenty years ago that seems crazy. Now there's a like, is it crazy to win? And if Kanye West wins, then what does that say? Yeah, right. What is that? So so I, I just and, and that that was like the joke and idiocracy that like the president. Uh, of the country was like I think it like was a reality game star so this was like it came out years ago and and so that's just I uh, look at these things and I just go you know what this time is going to be you know uh, and then we can do about it yeah you know I I guess part of what you're saying is you know I hate to hear because but I mean I guess that's how I feel too I mean I feel politically homeless I have for yes. Some, Look I, at the you. The most people are today are starting to wake up to to the reality that that I, I spotted a long time ago that it doesn't really. I said I said it doesn't. At some point, it's not really going to matter who the president is because because it's if you, all, if you yeah. look at if you look at the way the corporation when when I, I don't remember where I saw this but it showed like the the donations and where they go um, and the lobbying dollars. And and for a long time, it really has mattered who just spent the most money. I mean, we we live in a society. How crazy is this? And I'm I'm looking at this real time. Like I have my computer up in the background, and I just you know like Twitter sometimes goes. Or my computer, my um my browser up behind the thing. And you know how like Twitter shows the breaking stories, and and we live in a world where people are legitimately, and it's not crazy, it's not a joke, legitimately worried that Ghislaine Maxwell will not make it to trial because Jeffrey got, Jeffrey killed himself. <laughs> right. Got to say it the right way. And, and okay, that sounds crazy until you look and see the judge that's on a the case. They just attempted a hit on her family, killed her son, and then they found the, the killer, that this is the breaking news. They found the guy that made the, 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 the shooting. He's dead. Someone, someone took out the shooter. They found him that we're, we're living in a ridiculous time. And I, I have never put my my mental energy into into politics because it never made sense to me. Yeah, I like as it was said presented. It. Well, and now, though, now it really seems like it might make a big difference. We're, we're taking uh, I, I, I could go on and on about this because I'm I am not I, I don't I don't have a dog in a fight. I haven't voted in. I think I voted one time as an adult just to be like, cool, I did it, but I don't pay attention to any of this. But 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 I see a lot of things and I'm interested in the strategy. And an article came out. This this blew my mind. The article came out and Dr. Fauci goes, New York handled the coronavirus correctly. They're a model to hold up for the rest of the country. And that sounds great until you dig into the numbers and you realize New York is not the most populated state in the union. Florida is. So for, for uh, comparison, and 32,000 people died in New York compared to under 5,000. It was like 49,000. 
2,900 people died in Florida. But what's the difference? And, and I hate to look at it that way, but that's what it is. What's the difference? The difference is the political affiliation of the, the said states and how they went about it. And so we are now risking lives, right? Because I'm, I'm not that dude that's going to tell you to wear a mask. Not wear a mask. I think you should wear the mask. Just do it. It's a simple whatever. But now we are risking lives based on an agenda so we can uphold one. For, like, for, for someone to actually, like, who's supposedly a doctor, and is only interested in the science to say that when the numbers point to something so dramatically different, that's that's misleading. But but these are but but that's just a, an example of why I don't I try not to pay attention to these things. Well, and I mean, I and I apologize for bringing it up, but I mean, I, I guess I bring it up because I feel politically homeless. I, mm-hmm. I I think you know if you look at the Trump situation, everything else. To your point, I mean, it just didn't happen overnight. This is a byproduct. Of the, oh. of the dysfunction and the corruption that's gone on for decades, right? And the mistrust and- of the lack of authenticity, the lack of transparency that exists in all fronts, from the media to the government to everything. And and so many things have been – the tr- I mean, and I think it's because of the social media culture, but, I mean, you can't hide anywhere. The, the trust has been completely eroded across everything. I don't trust we don't trust the cops, we don't trust the FBI, we don't trust the administration, we don't we're, we're, you know what I mean? We don't trust anything. And it's like you said it's a mess. I am kind of with you. Can it survive a couple more generations? I don't know. Well, here's the thing, you know, global people people forget. I mean, and look, I'm I'm not an expert. I'm I'm a guy that's probably a little smarter than average at the thing that makes this um, and, and, well, rather, I'm a little smarter than average generally, and and my lens happens to lead itself naturally to networks, physics and math through through uh, networking. And and my my thought process is that we live in a world now. You don't have to be any one place to do any one thing, and now you you can be. But but we still have borders. Right? We still have borders with different laws and functions, but we don't really have borders in terms of communication and and dissemination of information so uh what happens you know somebody comes along and they just go bye-bye america you know we're gonna we're gonna start relying on on dollars or euros to do things or or, or not dollars um pounds mm-hmm. whatever uh just because well th- th- those are the those are the people that did, that are that have it together. I don't think I don't think China's gonna take over because that language is and culture is so foreign to the people who are in charge right now that like they would have basically have to be by force, but you know, that's neither here nor there. Mm-hmm. Um just 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 uh just talking points in, in terms of the future, but but I don't what do they say, right? The best way to to know the future is to create it. I don't I don't know what's gonna happen at the the um macro level but i know micro i can control my life well that's I, I think that's the point i mean i think with all the chaos that's going on the more that i tune out the more as you said the more i kind of focus on uh, i think you said autonomous if i can become more autonomous in my um thinking in the sense that I, i'm gonna at least try to control i can i can at least change my part of the world right and and the more that I do that in the most authentic, transparent, vulnerable way, authentic way, and trying to make the place better than I found it, that's all I can hope for. Because, you know, it's kind of keeping your eye on 
it's kind of like that guy. I'm a big history buff. He's in World War II. You know, the guy storming Normandy Beach. You know, he's in that boat with 20 guys, and he's thinking about shit. This is going to take a long time. Uh, um, he's all depressed because he's he's not going to be home for another year. He's just wife just had a baby he's never seen. And he's thinking about dying. He's like, this ain't going to be over till Hitler's dead. Guys, going to take forever Hitler to get dead. And meanwhile, while I'm thinking about all that stuff. The 17 guys in the, that are in the boat with me are looking at me, and I could be influencing their lives in that in that in that moment, right? But I'm focusing on Hitler and all yeah. all this other bullshit that I can't control, right? And that's what I heard you. That's my takeaway from from talking with you is like, look, man, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to make my world better and focus on what I'm strength at. And like I said, we can't we really can't control it, can we? I mean, it doesn't really matter who's in. And I I didn't vote last election, no. and I'm probably not going to vote this one. And I, and man, if you would have told if I would have said that 20 years ago, I would have thought you're crazy. But I just I I can't get along. I can't get on with with the dysfunction. You know what I mean? I can't get on with the you know right versus left thing anymore. I just can't. I think yeah, it's all it, bullshit. It's, it, it's absolutely insane. And I'm like, you know what? I'm I'm not I'm not even interested in this argument in this fight you know it, it it's exhausting it takes it takes you it takes away from your ability to, to do anything productive with your life exactly uh so and and, and you know whether we want to you know dive into conspiracy i think there's a lot of money to be made in division i think there's more money to be made in division than there is in unity uh and so they certainly there's there certainly a vested interest in the promotion of all things that keep humans from working together, kind of a uh, Tower of Babel situation. Well, you're right. I mean, it's easier to tear things down than, than to build it up because building up takes forever. It's a yeah. long game, oh, sure. right? And you're right. And there, there, is, there is money to be made in tearing things down. But that's the choice that you and I have to make is like, well, which game are we going to play in, right? I mean – and I think that if we play it's the if we play exactly. the long game, we can skirt on those and we can tailor our communication to get people excited, but we can stay true to who we are, right? And try to add value to people. I'm looking at the clock here. You got a, another engagement here in ten minutes, right? Is that am I looking at the clock uh, right? More or less, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I want to make sure I get people the chance to. Um, I mean, we talked about a lot of stuff. I mean, you're you're certainly. What do you What do you hope when people can connect with you for? I mean, is it for coaching? Is it for speaking? Is it for courses? What is it? What do you want people to reach out to you for? Oh, I would love for people to come to my site and just check check out the writings. You know, sign up to my mailing list. It's it's a great. Uh, I I try to 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 distribute a lot of value. You know, I'm I'm like I said, man. I'm not <laughs> not a business guy. I don't have a lot. Uh, uh, my mind is just not geared towards towards super promotion. I don't have anything coming out right now. But my, I think my website has got a lot of value. If you do come to it and you see something, there, there are certainly ways for you uh, to spend money and support the cause. But if not, there's a lot of information that will that will change your life in in pretty much any area. You know, I, I, if I've gone through it, I try to write about it and what I've learned from it, whether that be physical and making yourself be better in shape or more attractive, whether it's, you know, expanding and improving your writing abilities and your ability to make money online or dealing with forgiveness of someone who's wronged you or, or getting over some type of addiction. I mean, that's what I, what I focus on on my website. And if you're looking for any type of assistance in those topics, then you definitely should show up and check me out. And I'm easy to find because 
I'm Ed Lattimore everywhere. Ed Lattimore on Instagram, Ed Lattimore on Twitter. My website is edlattimore.com and my Facebook is Ed Lattimore. So can't miss me. <laughs> no, it's great. It's, yeah, like I said, you got great articles. I, I peruse through your stuff. I think you're on the right track. I mean, you're one of the good ones again as the authentic, you know, and, and sitting there talking with you, I was I was right in my assessment of, of that you're the real deal. I mean, I love your authenticity. I love what you're trying to do. I think there's there's great things in store for you. And anything I can do to support you on Dose of Leadership, uh, I will do. And I'm proud to have you a member of the Dose of Leadership tribe, man. I think I think it's uh, you're, you're a great addition to this group. And, and uh, I'm so glad that you came on this show. Hey, I'm so glad you had me. I really mean that. Well, let's stay in touch and let, let's let's see what uh, what we can collaborate forces on and, and, and let's let's hope for a bright future. Uh, thanks for coming on. Thank you for having me. Hey, thanks so much for tuning into the show. I hope you got some value out of this episode. If you did, please do me a huge favor. Tell somebody about this show. Tell your spouse, tell your kids, tell your coworkers. Let them know about the value that Dose of Leadership brings to your world. Go to doseofleadership.com. You can learn more about my services. If you're looking for somebody to speak, teach, or coach about leadership, I'm your guy. I'm known for my ability to transform individuals and organizations, teaching them the concept of creating a culture of decentralized leadership. I do think that is the secret sauce to facing all the challenges that we face today. Thanks so much for tuning into the show. I look forward to the next time we're together. And until the meantime, make it a great one.